Welcome to the Garden Path Podcast, life lessons and conversations from the garden. Hi, I'm your host, Misty Little, and this is season three, episode 23 of, yeah, episode 23, (laughs) the last episode of this season. So I'm going to kind of wrap up the season, talk about where I want to go for season four, and um, today I am actually in my garden. It's nice out. It's probably in the low to mid-70s. Nice and sunny. We had a pretty chilly weekend, um, not compared to some of you guys getting your umpteenth round of snow. I do apologize. <laughs> that really sucks, and I'm glad it's not me. I'll, I'll be honest. So, while it was chilly, we just put on some fleece and some long pants, and no big deal. And it was pretty decent after in the afternoon. So, I really honestly can't complain, other than thinking it is a little bit weird for April even in Texas. And, um, I don't, I don't know what to say. I'm kind of curious to see how, how the, how the world's going to keep going on in this age of climate change. Um, what the seasons are going to look like from now on. So let's see here. Um, yeah, so you guys, I had a, a great podcast season. Um, I feel like I'm in a better place than I was this time last year trying to figure out what I wanted to do with the podcast. Um, last year I was kind of stressing out about wanting to monetize it somehow with um, Patreon or advertising. And when I finally accepted and that I didn't really want to do that and I didn't have to do what everybody else was doing. I don't know, you know, when you're almost 38, you would think that you should figure this stuff out by now. <laughs> but you got to realize, um, yeah, we all we all still try to do what everybody else is doing, I think, at any age sometimes. And so I let go, realize that that's not what I wanted to do. And I do this podcast because I enjoy doing it and connecting with gardeners and learning from other people and just hearing about uh, everybody else's gardens and what they do. So as always, I'm going to just keep doing this how I how I do it. I may not be the most uh, well-produced because this is just me doing this, but I enjoy it and I hope you guys do too. So yes, there will be a season four, and depending on how I enjoy my summer break, it may start as early as September, but probably October again, and I'm probably going to return to doing two episodes a month instead of three or the occasional four I did this year, and I did enjoy doing a mix of interviews and um, solo podcasts, but I think I'm going to probably stick to doing more interview types again, but this is where I need your input. If you could go to the gardenpathpodcast.com slash survey and take the 10 question quick little survey about the season it has a couple questions about your top three podcasts for this year. Kind of want to know who you are, where you listen. Um, any, any suggestions? If you, if you enjoyed the mix of interview and solo episodes or if you want more interviews or more solo, I'm definitely not a how-to podcast, so it's not my wheelhouse. I don't really, I don't know if I, I don't enjoy teaching in that aspect, unless it's something that I'm really passionate about, like like the Monarch uh, episode I did this year, Raising the Monarchs, or something different that is not content that you would find elsewhere. I think there's plenty of other podcasts right now, the Beginner's Gardener podcast, the Beginner's Garden podcast um, with Jill McSheehy. Uh, Encyclopedia Botanica. They both do um, really good episodes about, you know, especially with edible gardening. 
and how-tos. It's just not something I'm that interested in. But, you know, I, I'd be more interested in something that's more niche, that's less commonly seen. That would be a solo episode I would do. So if you have an idea of something you want to hear that you think I could cover, please send me an email, thegardenpathpodcasts at gmail.com, or let me know in that survey. And that survey link will also be in the show notes for this episode, too. So please, it takes like five minutes or less to, to fill that out. I'd really appreciate your input. As for the most popular podcasts this season, I definitely feel like I hit my stride with this season. When I started the podcast in 2015, I began by, you know, reaching out to friends and family first that I knew to interview. And it took me a while to kind of figure out the marketing aspect of this podcast. And I really didn't put a lot of effort into Instagram until last year. And that's kind of a whole ball of an interesting game of trying to get people listening in that aspect. And um, so before that, it was really just um, word of mouth. And honestly, that's another way. Another thing you guys could help me with is to rate and review in podcasts, uh, players like iTunes or Stitcher. So that way it shows up in the recommended um, podcast at the bottom of other podcasts. So that's the best way to help me on like on uh, the podcast like that. But yes, your favorite podcast this year, based on what I can tell, I had to conglomerate a from my RSS feed um, service. I could tell from there, and I can Apple Podcasts launched theirs finally this year, where you could tell your rate uh, statistics for listens. And Stitcher also does that. I can't, I can't remember if Google Play does or not. But so I kind of mishmashed all those together to get an idea of what you guys liked, but. Definitely um, the episode with Talking Tree Farm, the permaculture episode, that has been the most popular. And for the longest time, Amy Strauss from last year, Tenth Acre Farm, she was one of the most popular episodes. And they quickly overtook her, <laughs> which which is great. Both permaculture episodes. And then um, coming in in the last few weeks, the foraging episode with Dr. Mark Vorderbruggen. And then... Behind that was the common milkweed uh, nursery episode. So those were the kind of the most um, listened or downloaded episodes this season. And so that gives gives me an idea of what you guys are interested in. But all of my episodes did pretty well. Um, And again, like I said, take that survey. Let me know what your favorite is. That would definitely help me out. And speaking of Dr. Mark uh, Vorderbruggen, uh, Merriweather, he is a chemist by day and um, I know he's worked in a couple different places, creating things that are, you know, used with plants. And um, someone in his company reached out to me about a, a product that he helped develop called Workman's Friend, and it is a barrier skin cream, and it guards against skin irritants, grease, paint, stain, glue. And it's used for gardening. And it also moisturizes and protects at the same time. And it actually took me a while to (laughs) remember to go use this in the garden. And um, so, because I don't use gloves, I rarely use gloves unless I'm lifting something or using something thorny, trying to prune that. And so I, I like to have my nimble dexterity in my fingers. And I actually let my husband try this first when he was trying to repair the lawnmower recently. And I forgot to ask him how he liked it, but I think it worked pretty well. Basically, it's a little, it's a product that you put on, you can go dig, do whatever you need to do, and it just wipes off clean. You don't have the caked in dirt sort of thing. And yesterday I was in the garden and I was like, oh yeah, I have this to try. Let me go try it. 
And I'd spent a couple hours digging around. My hands are pretty filthy first, so I had to wash them off. And I put this on, and it really does work pretty well. I mean, my tips of my fingers were pretty, still pretty kind of dirty. Um, but it wasn't nearly as caked on or um, grooved in as <laughs> it normally would be. So um, this isn't like an advertisement. I just thought it would be nice to pass on to try um, to help a, a fellow podcast listener so, but I do have samples, um, you know, little, you know, type of small samples. You might get lotion samples. So if you're interested, uh, drop me an email, let me know. I can send you a packet or two and you can try it. And, um, I'll have where the information on where you can purchase this. Um, I think it's going to be, you know, any kind of box store would be where you would find it. Uh, and the the company's website, if you'd like to read more about it, on the show notes for this episode. And another late edit here, guys. Sorry. A little more update on this product because I was trying to work with um, the marketing for Workman's Friend. And you can buy it at Lowe's, Amazon, and the Workman's Friend's website. And if you're interested, if you want to try it out, you can use a 10% off promo code on Amazon. Use GDPATH10. Um, and it's going to be good until the end of May. So like I said, if you guys want to try the little um, sachets, I have several and um, the company has more on hand too. If there's like a crazy overload of interest, um, just let me know, send me your email and uh, your address and I can hook you up with that. So like I said, not an advertising, just wanted to help a former podcast um, guest and it is kind of interesting product and I'll be testing it out even more in uh, in my garden this summer. Thanks. Okay, so moving on. A um, couple of books I've been reading lately. Um, one was The Plant Messiah by Carlos Magdalena and it is a freaking fantastic book. I love that book. It looks like it came out last year in the UK and they are pushing to release it here in the US this year. And it is from a horticulturist at the Kew Botanic Gardens in England. And he is basically writing about his history of germinating and propagating rare and difficult to find plants um, and plants that are, have had difficult, uh, difficulty in germinating. And um, tells a tale of him going to all these different far-off places to collect plants and trying to resurrect plants that are really on the brink that, you know, actually were probably considered extinct. And then um, someone found it on the roadside, a particular plant uh, that, that, that he writes about. And he just goes on this crazy journey about talking to these plants. And all it made me want to do is travel and go see cool plants. So... It was really fast-paced, really easy read, and um, pretty interesting, so I'd check that out. Another one is The Wildflowers of Texas by Michael, Michael Eason, and it is a new guidebook for Texas. It is a really excellent wildflower book that I found to be super helpful. It's divided into um, color categories, so if you find a white flower, flip to the white flowers, and then you know you found, you found your plant, and you look for it there. And it's one of the more comprehensive wildflower books that I have seen. Um, the next book is called The Garden in Every Sense and Season by Tova Martin. And I read this a couple months ago, and it's a really just quiet book about gardening throughout the whole year and taking into all the senses, you know, your sight, smell, um, taste, all that stuff. And 
she's a New England gardener, so <laughs> the winter section wasn't quite applicable to me, and it was hard for me to honestly to relate to because of the snow, but um, all of the other senses and seasons, and honestly, reading about, it definitely, I don't know if you're like me, sometimes I forget that other gardeners are probably going through the exact same thoughts and feelings as me, feeling overwhelmed in the spring, and never being able to grow everything and get on top of everything. And she dresses that in one of the first chapters. And I'm like, oh yeah, other gardeners feel the same way. So that was kind of a relief to, to get that, that call back, um, to remember that I'm not alone. And another book I enjoyed was Landscapes of Anna Green Gables by Catherine Reed. And if you know me in real life, that you know I am a hardcore Anne of Green Gables fan. I've read pretty much everything that uh, Lucy Maud Montgomery wrote, um, her fiction books at least. Um, I still have to catch up on some of her journals, but pretty much read all of her collection. Um, I love, you know, the Anne of Green Gables series, and my favorite is actually the Emily of New Moon series. And Valancey, The Blue Castle, that is one of my other favorite books of hers. Anyway, she um, was an author from Prince Edward Island in Canada. And this book kind of compares the landscapes of the author, her real life <laughs> landscapes from Anna, from uh, Prince Edward Island, and how she interpreted those into Anne of Green Gables. And she drew on... You know, different portions of her life, different gardens and and family members' homes to, to be able to put together Anne of Green Gables. And I thought it was a fascinating book, and I read it digitally, and I really want to check out the book in print because it looked so beautiful with the pictures, the paper, based on what it looks like digitally, it, it looks like, I don't know, a collector's book. So very interested in that one. Um, okay, so let's do a monarch butterfly update. Um, monarch butterflies, I think I mentioned in one of the episodes recently that um, they're back around and I'm keeping them again. It was, I think, March 18th when I saw the first monarch in the garden and they were laying eggs. And so I collected about 10 or 11 eggs thinking, wasn't sure if I had enough eggs to keep a lot of them. I'm sorry, eggs, milkweed, because it's just starting to wake up. The milkweed's not, but uh, it's probably about a foot tall, foot and a half tall now, but it was a lot shorter a month ago. And so I, I started with those eggs, but then I was like, oh, I got plenty. So I started collecting any other caterpillars I saw, throwing them in the cage as well. And um, I probably had about 40 at one point in the cage. And they started pupating and I got the first 10 pupating about a week ago. And then it was just like downhill from there. I don't know what was going on. We had a cold front come through. So I brought them in last weekend. And I, I honestly don't think that was a problem in talking with another friend of mine who's had similar issues, um, in this, in Houston as well. What happened is they started failing to pupate. So they would start the pupation process and, you know, shedding off that, that skin at the end. So the chrysalis coming out on and then they would just stop and die. And it was just kind of heartbreaking. After the first one, it's like, oh, okay, well, that was, a, a, you know, oops, I'm sorry, dude. And then the second, I was like, oh, okay. And then third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. And you're like, oh my gosh, really? <laughs> Stop doing this to me. And, you know, I really cleaned the cage and tried to make sure it wasn't my fault in some way. 
and I'm still not certain, you know, if that, you know, the, the milkweed has OE somehow, or I don't know what's going on. Um, but I don't think, I don't think that's a, the problem. I just think we ended up talking and I think my friend and I think it's just probably bad genetics somehow, you know, may let's pass that blame on. Right. <laughs> Um, so then finally this weekend, we moved on from not pupating to pupating and then falling off. Um, and so that, you know, they spin a kind of web sort of thing that, and I know there's a technical term, but I don't have that in front of me at the moment to attach themselves to whatever they're, they're going to pupate on. And they were just falling off from that. They, their cream master wasn't very strong and they were falling. And I managed to get the first two had a decent cream master, but I, st- I was still able to get them a super glued onto a piece of, uh, of, a, of, of a tree limb. And then the other two fell. I mean, literally they had to fall in right after they had finished pupating. And so they were still fresh. They weren't even hard. And one of them fell. And this was my mistake. I wasn't thinking about them falling. I should have put, I had put rocks in the tent to keep it from blowing away. We had a, some couple bad storms, um, come through with the cold fronts that got super windy and, put those in there to keep it from blowing away. Well, I should have put some rags or something on top of those rocks to protect because I have all the problems I'd been having, but I didn't have that foresight. So I didn't. And one of them fell directly on the rock and I tried to save it. I think, I think it's going to have to be euthanized, um, put into the fridge, the freezer, even it may not even actually be alive. It, it's pretty upsetting. The other one, I think it looks okay. It did not fall on the rock. It fell on a different part of the tent where I have a, I do have a little piece of, um, a rag laying on the bottom to kind of keep the, um, the frass from getting too nasty on the bottom of my tent. And it did fall on that. So while it fell, I hope it doesn't have any internal damage. So at the moment, I've got about 21 chrysalises in there with, you know, that one that looks iffy. And I did also euthanize another one that had not fully pupated and had a gap in the front. And after talking to my friend about that, she had done the same thing last year. There was just a thoughts that it's not healthy. It's not going to be coming into a healthy butterfly. It's not going to finish that cycle well. So I don't know. It took me a minute to get the guts up to do that because it really sucks. I mean, if you've euthanized a pet <laughs> and I know these are wild animals, but still it was kind of not that fun to do. So that's where I'm at with the monarchs. I still have about 10 the caterpillars hanging out in there and between all the crazy non-pupation issues and a couple that just failed to molt between instars, uh, I probably lost, you know, 10 or 11 caterpillars in that whole mess. So that's been fun. <laughs> and and then monarchs are still moving in. I definitely recommend checking out the Journey North website. If you see monarchs to, to log them in, you just need to have your own login, but you don't necessarily need to put exact location. I put a general location because I don't really want people to know where exactly I live. <laughs> so put that in there if you want to start not logging where you see monarchs, if you're coming, if they're coming through your yard. Um, maybe just find a crossroads for, you know, somewhere nearby and log them there. That's what I do. Um, but they are, they're still coming there. I think most of the monarch migration has happened. They are moving into Oklahoma and up through the Southern U S and the, the middle, middle South. Um, but I think the cold fronts have been hampering them into moving further North, which is, is probably good because I don't think the milkweed is, is ready for them quite yet.
Okay, what's growing? Um, the garden is doing really well now. Um, I've been weeding and mulching like crazy. I've still probably got several more weeks of weeding and mulching just because of time constraints, but getting there. Um, oh, I also got red admiral caterpillars. I'm so excited about this. If you're on Instagram, you probably saw me post about that. I've been leaving false nettle um, growing <laughs> that just like randomly sprouted in my garden over the last two years. And finally... Red admirals have come and they are are using that plant and I'm very excited about that. I've been looking for the chrysalises because I know that um, some of the caterpillars were on the, the older stage by the time I saw them. So they should be pupating. Who knows? They probably could have gone off into my neighbor's yard. Um, but, I, but I'm looking. I'm trying to hope to see one. But, you know, I, I may have missed that. But that was an exciting find. Most everything has sprung up back from our deep freeze this year, but the Mexican flame vine has not recovered, and um, my Sephora tomatosa, the necklace pod, has not come back either. But I'll give those to another month or so until it really warms up, and maybe that'll trigger them into coming back. We'll have to see. May have to say goodbye to those for this year. But we had did buy a bunch of different plants at the local nursery this weekend, various salvias, um, a giant rudubecchia, um, a variegated iris, um, all sorts of weird, crazy things. And to try to fill out, fill out some gaps and, oh, which brings me to all the seeds that I sowed and talked about in the two episodes, January and February, the native seed episode and the other seeds. And most of that stuff, a few things did germinate on its own without me, um, doing any cold stratification, and like the Coreopsis came up, the Eringium aquaticum actually came up. I was surprised. I did get a couple of germinate from that. So um, everything spent its 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 forty five to sixty days in my fridge, and I re- I sowed that stuff about two weeks ago. Maybe not two weeks ago. Maybe a week ago. And um, still kind of waiting for things to wake up and germinate. I don't know how long it's going to take for that to happen. Uh, the New Zealand spinach has come up. Um, I struck sowed some in the garden and I sowed some in a pot. The snails got some of them in the garden. Um, had a big snail problem this year. Um, so trying to battle that. But that's where I'm at with plants. It's, it's definitely spring and in a month it'll be summer. <laughs> Although maybe not this summer, this year has been weird. Maybe we're going to get another cold front. It's, it's weird. Finally, if you guys want, you can still sign up for my newsletter. I will be, I didn't send one out in March because time got away from me, but I will be sending one out right after this episode airs at the end of the week. And then I will be trying to send one out monthly from here on out. So sign up. I basically kind of summarize what I, what's going on in my garden. I send out any links and uh, that I've read garden related or podcasts that are garden related that I think is relevant. And it's just a way for me to have an extra way to connect with listeners. So you can just pop on over to the gardenpathpodcast.com and there's a bar at the top that'll pop come up or you'll see a sidebar on the side where you can just fill in your name. Like I said, it's once a month. Be sure to try to add it to your inbox. I know there's been a lot of talk about, um, because newsletters are becoming kind of a very popular thing right now. Um, a lot of them are going sent to like a promotional tab or to a um, spam folder. So when you when you sign up, check, make sure you okay me to be in your inbox and 
put me on the front, not in the spam folder. I, I actually keep all my stuff in the news in the promotions folder for all the newsletters I subscribe to because I don't use in Gmail. I don't use that Gmail account for, um, ads and crap. So I don't usually, it doesn't get cluttered for me. So if you use your email for everything, maybe filter through and make sure you added me into the right thing. And because I'll be on hiatus for the next couple of months, I wanted to pass on a couple of podcasts for you to listen to. Um, I'm going to update the podcast list on the website as well, because a couple have that I put up last year have fizzled, have not been updated, and a couple other podcasts have come up this year that I wanted to add in. Um, the first is Cultivating Place, and I think most gardeners know about this. It's from Jennifer Jewell and North State Public Radio in California, and it has that NPR feel. <laughs> um, I like to think about it as and I think they even market it as um, Gardening's On Being uh, with Krista Tippett, but it's Jennifer Jewell and Cultivating Place. And she connects with gardeners in such a great way. And I love listening to that. Um, it's actually a radio show for those California people, but a podcast form later. And that's one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. And a new podcast I just stumbled upon actually on Spotify is called Hot House. And it's an Austin-based gardening podcast. And it just launched last week. And it's kind of the same vein as my podcast, Cultivating Place, um, A Way to Garden. It's just talking with other gardeners. And um, I think I, I'm interested to see how it goes. So I want to give a shout out to them because it's it's the first episode. And head on over and check out Hot House. And another podcast I always, I always still love is the Native Plant Podcast. I know I've mentioned them before. Uh, I just, I learn a lot of different things because, again, you know, I don't have that horticulture background. You know, I have some kind of botany background, but, um, you know, I don't live in that horticulture field. So I always learn something new from them as well. And then I do want to give a shout out to an overseas podcast, the Sod, the Sod Show uh, with Peter Donegan. And it actually took me a long time uh, until like the last year or two to click on when I saw that podcast is recommended to listen to because I saw Sod. What is this? Just a, another like home and garden grass growing kind of show. But turns out that's just kind of a uh, kind of a pun sort of thing on those types of shows. And it's really interesting interviews with gardeners and horticulturists in the UK. Um, so that's one great thing about doing this podcast is I've learned and gotten to know a bunch of different gardeners and people. And there's a monarch <laughs> visiting my milkweed right now laying eggs. So I'll be checking that out soon. Um, yeah, sorry. Sorry to deviate on that. But yes, learning about gardeners, learning about horticulturists and getting to know different people that I would not have gotten to know otherwise. And then finally, a podcast I was actually listening to today on the Permaculture Podcast with Scott Mann. Um, former podcast guest Amy Strauss with 10th Acre Farm is on his ep latest episode, definitely go check that out. And I do believe her new book is, oh, her book she had out last year was picked up by Chelsea Green. So it has a broader distribution now. Um, so be able to check out uh, that as well. So again, sign up for the newsletter at thegardenpathpodcast.com. You can drop me an email at thegardenpathpodcast at gmail.com if you have any comments or suggestions from this season or for next season. Definitely go back through all of my archives. I know some of them are uh, probably edited a little bit differently because I was learning. Um, 
but there's a treasure trove of good interviews and people in there. If you just found this podcast this season, go back to season one, go back to season two and listen to those people because there's a lot of good people and good things to listen to. And finally, if you could rate and view the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, and I'm on Instagram at the Garden Path Podcast. I'm probably not going to be posting nearly as much as I have um, in this last year. Take some time away from social media just a bit this summer. Take a little breather. Do some gardening. Do some blogging. I blog at oceanicwilderness.com. That link is on um, the podcast website too. And I post gardening photos there quite frequently. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Thank you for everybody who has reached out to me this last year to a come on the podcast or tell me that you've liked the podcast. I really do appreciate it. It's nice to hear from listeners because it's sometimes you just don't know who's out there listening or who's enjoying what you're doing or if what you're doing is even worthwhile. So I certainly appreciate that. And everybody who pitched in for the why you garden episode, that was a fun episode to do. And, um, it was just really great to, listen to all your whys for gardening. So enjoy your summer, enjoy your gardening, and I will see you guys again in October.